Hello and welcome to Food Allergy Freedom with Chelsea Winterholler, a podcast to help moms who have children with food allergies find emotional freedom. This is episode 29, How to Find Peace and Hope After the Loss of a Child, an interview with Jen Larson. Okay. Hey, you guys. I am really excited for today. I have my good friend and fellow coach, Jen Larson, on with me today. And I am just so excited to introduce you to her. Uh, She helps moms gain peace and hope in their life after the loss of a child. And I am going to let her tell you a little bit about that. Uh, But first, I just want to introduce how we know each other. Uh, We have known each other for a few years, but in my opinion, what brought us together was when I first met Jen, I knew that she had lost a child. And I haven't shared much about this on this podcast or on social media, but I actually lost my first son and his name was Warner. I am actually really open to chatting about it. I love talking about him. He only survived about 45 minutes after he was born. He actually passed away to a genetic abnormality. It was called osteogenesis imperfecta. So at the time, or looking back now, I wish that I had coaching. I wish that I had someone like Jen that would be able to just help me process all of the emotions that were going on for me at that time in my life. So that's why I brought her on today. I am really excited for you to meet her. Oh, hi, Jen. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm excited to have you. Yes. So I'm Jen Larson, and I am a wife to my best friend, Ethan, and we've been married for 22 years which has been so fun. We have eight kids together. And my oldest actually got married about two years ago. And so anyway, she married an amazing boy from Level Wyoming. And they actually now have a son. So I am a grandma as well. And he is going to be a year in about a month, which is just like crazy to me. Oh my gosh. That I can't (laughs) believe that I've seen pictures of him and he's so cute, but he's already a year old. That's nuts. Yeah, it is. It goes by so fast, but, um, yeah, being a grandma was really weird to get my head around, but it is like, it is the best. Everyone says being the grandma is the best. It is. It's so fun. But, um, so yeah, I'm a grandma. So the age, ages of my kids range from almost 22 years old down to eight years old. And that's eight-year-old twin boys. And that's another thing that you and I connected on, right? Is yes. that we both have twins. So yep, my boys are nine and we both survived the toddler years somehow. So go us. Yes. Yes. It's rough. But um So yeah, I am also an angel mom. So um, I have lost two daughters and that has been the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. And so our first daughter that we lost was two and a half years old. Her name's Camber and she passed away in 2008 in a drowning accident in our pool in our backyard. 
to somehow got past the gates that we had set up. And anyway, so we lost her in 2008. And then, um, of course, that was like the darkest, hardest time in my life and in our marriage and for our family and um, was a huge struggle to move through. And then now we're coming up on 15 years, which feels like way too long. It feels like forever since she's been gone. But then in some ways, you had two kids before her. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. No, I had, I had four at the time. Four. Okay. So I had four daughters. Okay. Yep. So, well, not before her, but I had, I had Taylor and then I had Kylie and then Camber was my third oldest. Okay. That's and my third daughter. And then when Camber passed away in 2008, I had a three month old daughter, Brooklyn. Okay. So yeah, when it all happened, I was, you know, still doing the newborn stage with my baby, my daughter, Brooklyn. So anyways, but yeah, and now it's been almost 15 years in July, it'll be 15 years that she's passed away. And it feels like forever, right? But yet, in the same sentence, it can feel like it was just yesterday, right? Definitely. Your mind is so powerful how it can just bring you back or certain smells or certain things bring you right back to that day. But um, so anyways, I feel like, you know, we were getting to a good spot. You know, we got through like the biggest milestones. And I feel like five years was kind of my turning point for me where I pulled out of this intense darkness and depression and was able to come into this reality that this is not changing, that um, this is my life and that I needed to choose what I was going to create from this life from that point moving forward and how I was going to honor her. Because at that moment, I had thought that I was my misery or my sadness defined the depth of my love for her. And I just was just so sad all the time. I just couldn't move on. And then I finally had realized that that didn't determine how much I loved her as to how long I was sad and miserable. That is that, so interesting. And I bet, yeah. do you find that with a lot of your angel moms? Yep. Yeah. There's so many of them that struggle with the same emotion and feeling, but I didn't understand what it was that I was going through until one day, which is kind of funny. I was watching Dr. Phil. So he was <laughs> on daytime TV. And back when you used to watch daytime TV all the time, right? There was yeah. no Netflix or anything like that going on. And so I was watching his show and he had someone on there that had lost her child. And I, of course, was just immediately like, zoomed in on the TV and was listening and to everything she was saying and everything he was telling her. Yeah, and he you could just her. immediately relate. That happens yeah. so often. And I hadn't seen him have anyone on there that had lost a child and nor did I really know anyone that had lost children. I had met angel moms along the way, but I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just really zoned in on this episode and he had asked her like, about what I was going through as well of living in the misery. And is that how you want to honor your child? Are you going to, or are you going to live in the light of their life? And I was like, it just clicked for me in that moment. I was like, 
That's what I want. I want to live in the light of her life instead of in the shadow of her death. That when people know me, that's how they will know her because of the kind of person that I am, that her light will be able to shine through me. So that was a turning point for me. And that was about the five to six year mark. I don't remember exactly, but right around there and was finally able to like get some ground underneath me and start living my life in a way that made me happy and really enjoy things again. It's always amazing. It's always amazing to me that someone can just suggest a something like that, like live in the light of your child's life. Um, and that you, if, if you're in the place where you're ready to hear that and emotionally in your grieving process, that it can just be a switch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a light bulb goes on, right. For the first time in the dark and you're like, Oh, I can see. So, um, Thank yeah, you, so Dr. Life Phil. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Really? That's yeah. so awesome. It Thank is. Yeah. And I and I laugh because I'm like, yeah, Dr. Phil, you know, that's kind of actually a running joke in our family <laughs> about him. Um, but um, yeah, that I was so grateful for that moment and time to be sitting there and listening to that. Um yeah, and so life we began this new normal and just went through life and ended up having more kids in the process. And, um, and then in that amount of time, Ethan ended up moving um, our family up to Billings, Montana. And because he started doing some work here and business for him really took off there and he loved it. And I was like, where do you want to live? Cause he traveled for about four years and I had seven kids. Well, six now, six kids I was taking care of and said he loved it here. And so I said, let's go. So we moved to Montana and in a lot of ways, this felt like uh, another new beginning for our family. You know, in Arizona, I was known as the mom that had lost her child. I kind of was defined in that way, which was fine. It is a big part of my story. And I loved to talk about her and help people wherever I could that were struggling with the same types of situations. And so, um, but I liked the idea of coming somewhere new where um, no one knew us really and didn't really know our story and we just could kind of start anew yeah there's something about there's something about a fresh start for sure yeah yeah for sure so yeah continue your story yeah so we've been here I guess we're coming up I told someone just the other day it's been five years but we're coming up on six in June and um just jumped right in and have really enjoyed being here but um Two years ago, we just barely hit this two-year mark. Um, my daughter, Kylie, which is my second daughter, but also second oldest, um, passed away in a car accident at the hands of another driver, the driver that was driving the car that she was in. And of course, just absolute devastation again. And as a child lost mom, you that is one of your biggest fears, Right is worry that it will happen again. Could this happen again? But honestly, 
statistics on it is like less than half a percent that you will lose another child. And it's like, how in the world are we in that statistic? Yeah, but completely um, impossible to believe it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, she just went out with some friends at night and it wasn't even very late. It was just before nine o'clock and some friends came and asked her if she wanted to go just for a little drive. There's this loop that you can do here in town and they were coming right back to meet up with some other friends and um, they ended up hitting some snow at a very uh, dangerous, reckless speed and she was gone in, in that impact of that accident and along with another boy and the driver, then the next day passed away as well. So three kids in that accident passed away and the one Kylie had chose to double buckle that night and she knew to use a seatbelt and she was very safe when she was in the car. But this night she chose to double buckle with one of her guy friends. And um, that is what took her life is the fact that she made that choice and the speed of the car, but she took the blunt force of that accident. But the boy she was double buckled with um, ended up surviving. And so we are grateful for that. We're grateful that he was able to survive and you know, looking back and knowing uh, how Kylie is, if she could have foreseen what was to be, that's the way she would have orchestrated it. She would have made sure she protected one of her friends. But She was just that kind of person. That kind of person. But yeah, finding out at midnight, having no clue that she had been gone for three hours before we found out. And, you know, absolutely heartbreaking and you know, one of those things that, you know, my husband looks right at me and said, I can't do this again. I told you I can't do this again. And I said, I know I told you the same thing, but we don't have a choice. And here we are. Yeah. And in that, in that moment, you, um, yeah, you just didn't, you, you didn't have a choice. You actually posted, um, something on Instagram yesterday that from Eleanor Roosevelt do you remember Mm -hmm. what quote that was um and it said you gain strength courage and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face you must do the thing you think you cannot do yeah 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 and I posted that like I came across that and I was like oh doing that every day that's what every child loss mom does every day as you look fear straight in the face and then make a choice. Am I doing it today? Am I going to get out of bed today? You know, what am I going to be able to take on today? And that takes a lot of strength and courage that a lot of people don't understand. Right? For sure. So do you help your, how do you help your moms realize that, that like that they have that strength and courage to do the thing they don't believe they can do. Yeah. Well, one is just through coaching, just talking and then showing them that they've made it through all the worst days of their life so far. 
And whether they feel like they're strong in that moment or not, that's okay. But they're getting through them. They are making it through them. So just showing that them that proof that you've done it. You are doing it. And yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, that's so helpful to have that proof, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think since I've been there, you do wake up in the morning thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't do it again. I can't do this for another day. This can't yeah. be my reality again. And um yeah, recognizing that there's proof that yeah. you actually can. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, we think that there's not a choice in it, but there is. There are people in life that choose to stay in bed. There are people in life that turn to things to numb it out. They choose, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be. There's all kinds of ways that we numb out hard times and emotions. But um those that are still showing up in any way, that's strength. I'm yeah, just which, them that that's what that is. Yeah, which sometimes looks like staying in bed for the sometimes day. Sometimes that like, does look like staying in bed, for sure. I, I know that you have been there where you're like, you know what? Today is just a day that this is how I'm going to take care of myself. Yes by staying in bed and by letting myself process all of everything that is going around me right now, for sure. But there's definitely, which we talk about a lot in coaching, like healthy ways to help yourself process those emotions. And then other buffers that people turn to that definitely aren't them showing up as the person that they want to be in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, knowing when is the time that today's the day that you just maybe don't do as much today. Maybe today you allow yourself to cry most of the day. And maybe the laundry doesn't get done. And maybe dinner doesn't get cooked. But guess what? Everyone will find something to eat. The laundry can wait another day. But you took time to feel what you needed to feel instead of resisting it. And that takes a lot of courage to do that. So what does that look like for you, Jen? Like when you wake up and you're feeling an overwhelming amount of sadness and how, how do you process? Yeah, well, it looks different all the time. So there are days where especially at the beginning where I did not do a whole lot with my day. One thing I did commit to though, from the very beginning was I'm going to get up each day and I'm at least going to get a shower and get dressed. For me, having some kind of a routine is what helped me get through the days. But, um, but some days that's as far as I got and I had to give myself grace with that. And then some days it's just noticing, okay, I feel this unbelievable amount of sadness today. And then noticing how that is feeling inside my body. So, and that's one thing that I teach my clients, like there's a difference between reacting to emotion and processing emotion. Oh yeah. Most of us a little bit, because I, I talk about this a lot, but if this is someone's first time on the podcast, tell us a little bit what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So reacting is like crying. So if you're feeling sadness, you're crying. Okay. Most of us think that that's 
actually us processing the emotion of sadness, but that's actually a reaction to the feeling of sadness. Processing it is naming it and noticing what's going on, like saying, okay, I am crying. I'm feeling an intense amount of sadness or depression, whatever it may be. How does that feel really truly feel inside of my body? And there's a vibration that will be there. And noticing where that vibration is in your body and literally using like images to depict what it really looks like. And so I do go through this whole now feeling process that uses like deep breathing with it and imagery to really become very descriptive about what you're feeling to allow it to actually process from your mind into your body and then actually pass through you. Because our emotions, that's what they are, they're vibrations. And if you take a moment to really notice them, you'll notice that they have movement inside of us. And that's how we actually process them, as opposed to just crying. A lot of times we're just crying, but we're not even saying like, oh, I'm sad today. We're just reacting, right? Yes. Isn't that crazy that you can just, you can cry all day, but never like truly acknowledge how it feels to you. I love what you said that naming it, like saying, I am sad. I am sad. And this is how it actually feels in my body. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, before coaching and before going through these things and trying to figure out how to feel better, how am I going to move through this child loss and feeling so lost in it? And then actually going and getting some help and then realizing how much this helps. And then, you know, becoming a coach myself, then I really got to see the value that it holds to actually process our emotions. And so a lot of times that's what I have to do. And it literally takes, you would think it would take a long time. It takes like 90 seconds at the most to actually process an emotion. So I'm able to name it and say, oh, here's the sadness today. This is how it's feeling for me. And then I'll oftentimes say, okay, sadness, you get to go with me to do the dishes today and go run the errands and do all the things. And I let it be there because sadness can be there and you can still do the things that you need to or want to do. I think that is so important to know that just giving yourself that permission, I can feel sad and still go pick up my other kids from school or do the dishes or do the laundry because I love the word. And I did a podcast on it a couple of weeks ago, actually. And it's just so powerful to know that you can feel a feeling that might be debilitating to you some days and other days you can actually feel that feeling and still go grocery shopping or do the things on your list. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the most common emotion that you find with your clients, with an angel mom? Yeah, so most common sadness is the number one emotion. The sadness of the missing, the physical missing of your child is the number one emotion. But um, anxiety is another really big one. A lot of anxiety around loss in general, but especially in child loss. And the anxiety usually is coming from the unknowns that lie ahead. Like, I don't know how I'm going to handle living here without my child. Like, how do I do this? What does this look like for me? There's so much unknowns in that. 
And another really common um, emotion that they feel is guilt. And that is an emotion that is kept hush-hush. That is emotion that angel moms do not talk about until, and a lot of times that they don't necessarily notice as guilt until they're actually working through the process of their grief. So what does that, what does guilt sound like to an angel mom? Guilt sounds like I should have known. I should have known. Was there something I could have done different? Those are the two most common questions that they have is how did I not know? And could I have done something different to prevent it? And that adds to those type of thoughts, right? Add to anxiety, that feeling of anxiety. of Yeah. And now what? Now what do I, how am I going to move forward in the future and facing everything yeah. ahead? Yeah. When I yeah. do it right in the past. Yep. Yeah. You question yourself all together as a person, as a mom in every aspect. And it's this vicious cycle that we get on that creates actually a lot of suffering on top of the pain that you already feel from losing, <clears throat> excuse me, from losing a child. It creates so, so much more suffering. Yeah. So you said it's a cycle and I've experienced that cycle. And even those of you who have, haven't lost a child, we all experience this cycle of emotions. Mm-hmm. And so what do your clients discover as you're able to help them be aware of the cycle that they are, that they are going through with all of this? Well, one of the things they notice is that we do have some control in it. We have power in our lives that we don't actually have to ride the circle of emotions over and over and just continue to beat ourselves up over it. Because that's what it does is we have the thought, which creates this emotion. And then so you feel this guilt and then you feel guilty for feeling the guilt. So then you just and then you just start punching yourself in the face. You're just beating yourself up over it. Then you come out the other side and then it just cycles again. Something else will bring up another thought that creates the guilt or the sadness. And it's just but when we become aware of it that's when it, you can stop it in its tracks and go, oh, this thought is actually creating more suffering in this pain. I don't actually need it right now. Sometimes you do though. Sometimes you need to allow it to be there and sit with it for a moment, but then to realize I have control. I have the power to kick this to the curb when I, when it is not serving me anymore. Yes. And in, oh, in this situation, we feel a total loss of control, right? You've just lost a child and you are in the middle of feeling like your life is completely out of control. And that is something that I love about just recognizing that our thoughts create how we feel is that all of our feelings are in our control. And sometimes we do choose to feel sad. Yeah. And sometimes we do choose to feel lonely or, or feel, you know, feel the guilt. Sometimes we choose yeah. to feel that and we can continue in that cycle for as long as we need to process. And then once we like realize, once someone says like, you do have control over what you feel, yeah. you can just decide you get yeah. to decide then. 
you get to decide. It's just, um, it's freeing to when you finally realize like you have the power over this, you have control over it. You don't have control over the circumstance that your child has passed away. That you do not have control over, but you do have control over how you react to it. And it's perfectly okay to feel all of those as people are doing air quotes of negative emotions, right? We are the ones that um, label them, whether they're negative or positive, but those are essential emotions to feel and valid emotions to feel after you lose a child, to be sad, to be angry, you know, to have any kind of struggles. That would be weird if you didn't, right? I, at least I think that would be weird if you lose a child and you don't have any of those negative emotions. I mean, you're not human, right? right? Yeah, you're you're not, you're a robot at that point. So they're essential to have, they're essential to feel. You get to choose though, you, um, how long you want to sit in those emotions and let them be there for as long as they serve you. And then when they're not anymore and they're creating so much more suffering, let them go. I love that. I was talking to a client um, who's struggling with infertility and she's been struggling for years and years. And it was so powerful to me because she's like, I'm just sick of thinking about it all day, every day, being sad about it all the time. And something that we came up with, which I don't know if you do this, Jen, but okay. If we're sick of feeling sad all day, every day, we're just going to choose an amount of time that we're going to feel sad. So every morning from nine to nine 30 AM, we feel sad. We just feel it. We feel it in our body. We feel if it feels heavy and black, if it feels tingly in our arms, if it feels like a ping pong ball bouncing through our torso, whatever it feels like we do it every single day from nine to nine 30. And at nine 30, we make a conscious decision that now We are going to think something else that makes us feel something else. And when our brain offers us, no, remember, I'm really sad about this. We say, I know we're sad brain, but remember, we're going to feel sad tomorrow morning from nine to nine 30. So you'll get to feel that again. I promise. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 I've, I've heard of that. I haven't ever taken on and done that for myself. I'm for me, what works for me is I just let it be there and take it with me. But I have heard of people that do that and it works for them for sure. And so I think it's just finding what works for you in processing your emotions. And there's no right or wrong way to do it unless it's something that you don't want in your life. But yeah, unless it's choice. yeah, producing the person that you don't want to be. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Okay. So I do want to hear a little bit about your journal. I have your journal. Uh, and can you just share with us why you created the journal and what your clients love about it? Yeah. Yeah. So huh, the journal, that was like another like rough road to bring to pass. So my love for journaling started way back from when I was a young kid. Um, I lost my dad when I was 13 years old. Um, He had cancer and passed away when I was 13. And at the time, that was the hardest thing I had been through. And I didn't know how to 
how to deal with it and handle it. And I, someone had mentioned about journaling. Well, at church, actually, they were talking a lot about journaling. So I thought to give it a try. It became something that helped me process my emotions, but I fell in love with writing and writing my story and thinking about, you know, when I'm an adult and I have kids, they'll be able to read these things that I went through and how I overcame them. And so I thought that was kind of neat. And um, so anyways, I, I started Claire back then. And then when my daughter Camber passed away, um, I had remembered my grandma had lost a son that was 18 months old in a tragic accident as well, and that she had had journals. And so I had asked my mom and my aunts, like, where are grandma's journals? I want to read. I need to know how to work through this loss of my daughter. How did grandma survive this? Because at the beginning, you just, you don't know how the, in the world you're going to survive this pain. And I was really sad when I found out that her journals were actually lost. Um, I guess there was a flood or if I, I don't know something, but the journals were lost and I was devastated because I was like, ah, so I want to know. And she wasn't alive anymore. So I needed those journals to read. So I was like, okay, I'm diving back in into journaling and would do it every single night. And it was so good for me. And I still have those journals. So not only writing um, all these struggles that I was going through, but I, I started noticing when I would write that it's almost like the spirit would speak to me and it became like a testimony to me and a strength to me and a connection to my daughter, Camber as I wrote. And, and then I would go back and read um, these entries on really hard days or recollect certain experiences. And it would just lift me up and give me the courage and the strength that I needed to keep moving forward. So then again, when, when Kylie died, I just knew exactly what I needed to do. You know, I became really good at journaling every single day again and knew that I did not want to forget not a second of this journey, whether it was the the really sad, dark parts of it, but there's also a beauty in it as well. And so I wanted to make sure I had all of those. And I was going back and even you know, months into Kylie's loss, remembering certain things from the beginning and wanting to read them and not being able to find these entries. And I would be so frustrated. I'm flipping through these pages and and then I'd be like, gosh, I just spent like an hour or more trying to find this one entry. And um, then one night I had this dream about this journal that had all these sections in it to keep all these experiences organized. And, um, and it was beautiful. And I was like, that's what I need. So I had the thought that I was going to create this journal for myself that I wanted. Right. And, but then I was like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to publish a book. I, I have no clue. But it kept coming to me, this this dream and it during my day about creating this journal. And um, and I prayed about it and then and really saw it and then it really see, saw it and had this thought, I need you to create this journal, but not for you. I need you to create it for all the other people in the world that are grieving. 
And this happened, it was last January that this came in. It was like, it wasn't just a nudge. It was like a knock me over. Like, I need you to do this. And I really believe it was Kylie telling me that I need you to do this. And that kind of ties into like the night that we found out that she had passed away and hearing about the other boys. I heard Kylie say, I need you to help these families. I need you to take care of my friends. So I knew from day one that this was going to be my mission and her honor is to help other people. So then when this journal came to me, is I need you to create this for all the other people that are grieving and struggling. I was like, I knew I had to say yes, but I was like, why now? I was in the depths I was of hell. We were coming up on the one year mark and I was not doing great during that time. And I was like, and you want me to go write about grief and create this grieving journal when I feel really lost in my own grief right now? And the answer was yes, but she laid it out before me. So it's it was very, very inspired. I spent a lot of time on my knees praying. I was up every morning, early in the morning, working on this journal, praying about what I needed to say, what needed to be in there, all the way down to the small little pictures that are in it. All of it is inspired. And it is a journal that I thought was going to be for angel moms, but it is for anyone that has gone through any kind of a loss of someone that they love. And it's blessing so many lives already. And People are loving it. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I pushed through to create this journal and bring it to the world. Yeah, I am too. I, it is amazing. I remember when you told me that you were writing, that you were writing this journal, writing this book. And I was like, you're in the middle of hell. Like you said, you're in these. I just could not even believe it. And um, when I got it in my hands, oh my gosh, Jen, it really, it's amazing. And I totally believe you that it was completely inspired and other, you know, from an angel on the other side, because it is just, it is so wonderful. I have gifted it to multiple people and not just um, angel moms. I had a friend just lose her sister just a couple of weeks ago and I gave it to her and she loves journaling and she is just immersing herself in it. And I know, I know that it's changing lives. So you and Kylie are changing lives. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's unlike any other journal that I had seen, you know, all the other journals were pretty much just like blank pages. And I know a lot of people will shy away from journaling because it's, I don't know what to write you know, what am I supposed to put in here? Can I put the bad and the good in the same space? But, you know, with this journal, that's why it has sections in there. So, you know, exactly where to go. So if you're like coming up on an anniversary, like a birthday or the one year anniversary, there's a spot specifically to go in and write about that. Or if you have a spiritual experience or a dream, there's a spot specifically to go in and write about that so that when you recollect these experiences or these memories, there's a memory spot, you know, right where to go. You're not flipping through, you know, a ton of pages like I was doing. You're able to go right to that section and know right where that experience is 
to be able to read about it and uplift you in that moment immediately. So um, that's one of the things I absolutely love about it. Yes. I wish, I wish I would have had it (laughs) a decade ago when I lost my son. I actually, he, we knew from when he was about 23 weeks that there was a potential that he wouldn't survive. And so I actually wrote, you know, blogs were a really super cool back in the day. So I, I wrote a blog along with our journey and it was one of the hardest, but also the most therapeutic thing. And even today, I'm able to go look back and really just, I don't know, have a lot of grace for myself and where I was right then and uh, be reminded of the highest highs and the lowest lows. And um, I have a lot of proof, like we talked about in the beginning, a proof that like, I did continue, I did just move and live another day, even when I felt like I couldn't. So, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for all my listeners. I hope you can go um, buy it. It's just on Amazon, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's called Give Hope. And if you type in grief journal, it doesn't come up, but if you'll type in grieving journal, so Give Hope, the grieving journal, it should pop up. Yeah, it's, and I kept the, the price nice and low, so it's accessible to anyone. Yeah, I feel like, you know, when someone loses someone, you're like, oh, what can I do for them? You want to help? I'm not a flower person. I don't send flowers. I They don't survive. So I just, it doesn't yeah. work for me. Um, but this book is just the perfect answer. So I hope you guys can, my listeners can get their hands on it and um, gift it, give it to someone, even if you won't use it. Yeah. Okay, Jen. So last question. I kind of want to know what you have just discovered about yourself while um, obviously going through the past 15 years of your life, but also getting these tools that uh, the coaching tools that help you process and continue to move forward. Yeah. So about myself is that that's probably the same thing that all my clients discover is that we have a power within us. Like I've said before, that we didn't realize we had before how really truly strong and capable we are as human beings, as women, as mothers. And that also in doing this work, like God is my business partner in everything in my life. I've seen him show up in huge ways um, through both the losses of my daughter, but also in, in coaching. He, he shows up every single time. And so I don't know why I still get surprised every time I see how he works in not only my life, but in the life of all the, you know, everybody around me, especially in my clients, but it's the most beautiful thing. And so just that self-discovery and that self-love that I didn't always have before and the self-compassion that I didn't have before either. Um, Coaching and being a coach absolutely has brought that out in me and helped me recognize that in myself. And I think that's one of the biggest blessings and gifts that it can give us is just to have that self-compassion and self-love for ourselves. 
and how essential that actually is, because that is how we end up showing up in the world and in all of our relationships and our lives is how we feel about ourselves is what we reflect. So I'm, I'm grateful for that discovery to really just get to know me in a way that I've never known before. That is amazing. That is so wonderful. I, um, I am so grateful to you for being here today and for you letting God run your business, God <laughs> being your business, uh, because I know that it is changing the lives of so many people. And that, that is so outstanding and powerful to me. I can you tell us where we can find you? We've already talked about the book is on Amazon, Give Hope. And yeah. what about Instagram or any other helpful things we need to know? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram under Jen Larson Coaching. And Larson is spelled with an E-N, not an O-N. And um, or you can reach out to me through email. It's lc.jenlarson at gmail.com. And so those are the two biggest ways that you can find me and contact me um, for anything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. I just, I hope that there, I know that there are people listening today um, that can just feel your love for them. I think that's one of your talents as a coach is to be able to help your clients know that they are loved and that they are not alone in this uh, grieving process that they're going through. I love that you just really represent that it, it doesn't it, one day, one week or 20 years, there's no, there's no timeline here, but the grace that you teach your clients to give themselves. And I'm so excited for the listeners to be able to reach out and to, like you said, just learn how to have that self-compassion and love for themselves as they move through their grieving process. So thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much for being here, Jen, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. If you are learning from and enjoying this podcast, Go to my website and book a mini consultation session at winterhollercoaching.com. You can also give me a shout out on your favorite podcast app or simply recommend this to a friend. Find me on Instagram at winterhollercoaching. Thanks for joining me today. I will see you next week. Mm -hmm.